0: This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Ciraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Ciroclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. For our guest today, we are honored and excited to welcome Francisco Gonzalez Polito, architect and principal of FGP Atelier. Francisco is a Mexican architect noted for his expressive yet rational design approach. You can find them on the web at FGP com. Francisco. Welcome and thank you very much for being here. So always excited to talk to you.
1: Thank you, thank you, Tom. Thank you for having the show.
0: Yeah, of course, Francisco. As we talked about before, we uh, we started the show. Uh, I, I know you're a great architect. I love your work, but we wanted to talk a, a bit about what inspires you, Francisco, and some of the uh, not just your uh, your hobbies, but your interests, your inspirations. That obviously positively impact you as an architecture. Can you share with us? I, I I'm gonna p- prepare the audience a little bit. You play guitar. You, you you do a lot of things. Share with us how that influences you.
1: Yeah, yeah, Tom. I mean, I well, thank you again. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you, Tom. It's always great talking to you. You know, the the, the there's so many sources. I think that sort of. Uh, feed into my creative process, let's say, right? Um, I used to read more than I do now, but I think, uh, I I don't read uh, uh, novels and fantasy things. I mean, I like to read uh, more scientific uh, journals and, uh, and, and, and I think science is always something that is present around me, you know, I mean, this is something that really nurtures my interest and feeds into my process. Um, the, the other aspect that I think is really uh, special to me is running and motorcycles. Um, I, I am a runner. I used to do marathons, obviously not in a professional level at all, you know, but I, I used to do long distance running. Um, I, I, I continue running, not anymore, you know, like really long distance, but. What is amazing about running, at least for me, is that when I'm doing it, there is that moment, you know, after the five kilometer mark that you you're really flowing. You know, you're you're running. You're not thinking about running anymore. And you start thinking about other things. And what I have discovered is that in that time, I am extremely creative. I'm I'm really I, I have solved a lot of complex problems actually in my field while I'm running or, or even design buildings or, or prepare for presentations, you know, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, when you're running for two hours, right. You, you can think about a lot of things, right. And I can go sometimes through presentations slide by slide by memory while I'm running, you know, and, and, and it's incredible because I'm rehearsing. So this is actually a very important part of my day, you know, and, and it's really critical for, for me. Motorcycle, in, in a way, is different, but it's a little bit the same. You know, I like long-distance trips. Um, I, I like this sort of secondary roads. Uh, I like to stop in places that I've never been. I don't like to travel with a plan. I like to just find things. And I love nature. I love um, old buildings. you know i'm I'm a big fan of of uh, recycling our old infrastructure, right? I mean, i'm I'm not a big believer of demolishing things to build new things. I think that there is great value in what is existing. And sometimes when I go in these motorcycle trips, I tend to to look for things like this, you know, old bridges, old houses. I stop or old buildings in general, and I stop um, to study, you know, why these things are still meaningful. And, and this really inspires me. It's a different way of traveling, right? A lot of people say that when when they travel, it's a it's a great source of inspiration, and it is for me as well. But I'm a very focused traveler in that sense. Not that I make a plan, but once I discover something, I spend the time on that particular thing. You know, I, I don't like to collect many things on a trip. I would like to come back with one or two things that really make a, a long-lasting impression. And, and this actually inspired me. And believe it or not, film. I'm a huge film. Uh, fan but huge huge I have I don't know thousands of of films I'm actually in the board of a film organization here in Chicago that that promotes the most significant international film festival in the world actually um, and film has always been with me since I was a little boy I mean I remember that i I would actually when, when my parents went to bed at night, I would actually go to the little studio and, 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 and carry those chunky TVs from the 70s, right? They were not as sleek as they are right now. Bring it to my room, put it on, under my sheets, and, and, and watch uh, black and white films that were highly inappropriate, <laughs> I have to say, for my age in the middle of the night, and, and I would love... Tom, the, the, the images, you know, the, the art in, 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 in presenting the stories, right? I was looking at the places where the stories take place or the way staging was done, lighting. I mean, it was such an amazing thing. I mean, I, I always thought, to be frank with you, I think if I were born in the States, I would have definitely tried to become a film director, uh, this is how passionate that I am about film, you know. I love uh, French fil- cinema in particular, you know, because it's so absurd in so many ways, so outrageous, you know, and sort of hyper-realistic. And so, so film, you know, sometimes when I'm about to start working on something, I actually watch movies that I, that I either I like, I've seen already many times, or or something new that that I read that is wonderful, right? And I and I'm looking for for these moments that I know they're gonna trigger some creative thinking in me. So yeah, film is big, big part of my process, you know. Yeah, I I like to think of my architecture as something cinematic as well. And you know, interesting enough, I, I was approached recently by a, uh, not a filmmaker, but a producer, and they're actually working on a on an action film in Asia, and and they wanted me to to design some sets, you know, for for this film. So I created some really visionary buildings in very realistic context, you know. So so it's been really a fascinating experience, you know. I'm designing these totally utopian structures that are sitting in cities like Berlin or Shanghai or Hong Kong. But in a way, because of my formation as an architect, you know, I am approaching them with these two very sort of opposite sides, right? Very realistic because I know what it takes to do things like this. And very utopian because it's my opportunity to dream, right? For something of something absolutely outrageous. Right. So, yeah. how,
0: relative is film and real life because it sounds like it's not too much difference
1: well I sometimes I wish that life was like film how so I yeah I, I in, in so many ways I actually think that uh, that um, this this aspect of fantasy right that sometimes I think our cities sometimes they they become just they are more buildings than architecture right and and and, and I, I this is what I look about love about film that somehow film tends to be more uh, yeah there's this fantasy even when you're looking at something very real right like like I mean some some uh, city that we all know or that we all been been there, you know, the way the lighting, the way the city sounds, the way the city feels, you know, it's almost like in film, time is frozen, right? And in reality, time is never really frozen. You know, in film, you're absorbing a moment very deeply. And I think that where we are engaged in a city we're too distracted with our worries and our preoccupation that we stop looking at what is around us or really understanding what is around us. And film really brings us insight in that moment, you know, not only on, of, of the life of these people that we're actually sort of uh, 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 watching, you know, but, but also of the place where they are. I, 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 I sometimes... And I'm not talking about science fiction film, you know, in the way that is much more uh, uh, surreal or uh, evocative. But again, as I described, almost any film, you know, when you look at films like, you know, the work of Wim Wenders or Jim Jarmusch, you know, Jarmusch has a phenomenal film that is called Night on Earth. It's an incredible film. It's, It's like five stories of cab drivers. One is one cab driver is in Finland, one is in New York, one is in Rome. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's kind of remarkable, you know one is in California in Los Angeles, and it's kind of remarkable the way these cities are presented, you know it's, it's like I have never I've been in all these cities and I have never felt them that way, you know and it's, it's, so there's something about film that that takes the spectator much deeper. I think only tourists, you know, when you go as a tourist to a place, you sort of engage with that sort of depth. you know, but it's so relative because you're in the hurry of going to the next place or finding the next museum, or, you know, your schedule drives in film, you're sort of frozen in time in the moment and all you're looking at is what you have in front of your eyes. And it's the the director's decision to move you away from this. You're not moving away from it. And this is something that I find absolutely fascinating.
0: Well, this is fascinating as well. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Ciroclad. We're talking today with Francisco González polido architect and principal of FGP Atelier. For more information, please visit fgp-atelier.com. Francisco, segueing from film and how it's frozen in in time, I've, I've heard the quote, and I don't recall who said it, that architecture is frozen music. What's your thought about that?
1: Yeah, you know, this is one of my hobbies too, as you mentioned in the beginning, music, but it's interesting that I completely separate music and architecture, and I also like to paint, you know, I used to do big paintings and murals and Large format, you know, in my student years, but I I don't connect them at all. You know, I I don't feel the need. I don't like to do it because I like that when I go to to music that I am disconnected completely from architecture. So I don't try to find this convergence, right? Not in music, not in painting. People say that about architecture, and frankly spoken, I, I don't understand that very well. You know, because. I understand the part of you know architecture is about composition yes it is about harmony right in some cases right um, it is it, it has these elements you know and as we as as we move through space it is through shadow and light that we experience the movement of architecture right otherwise it's true i mean things are frozen right i mean the building is is not interacting with you in any way which is something that frustrates me tremendously because as you know in my work i talk a lot about why a building is the same on four sides i mean i don't understand this right especially skyscrapers right when orientations are different views are different why is the building not responding to these things, right? So there's a component of my work that is always looking for mobility and be more dynamic, right, than static. But in general, architecture tends to be static. Let's face it, you know, 99% of the buildings are static. So so in a way, uh, this idea of, of architecture is is... is frozen music or, or, or music, you know, that is kind of standing still in time. I cannot connect it because music for me is such a multi-sensorial experience, right? I mean, the way at least I experience music because maybe I'm a player, I compose as well, you know, I love to listen to different kinds of things. Music really takes me to many different places and, and it's much more dynamic, you know, Architecture in reality makes me feel certain things, but I don't think music is sort of the ultimate art for me, you know? And I think music for me is not so much about art, but about the art of engineering. And that's very different from from music, you know? There's a mathematical component, sure. There's a compositional component, it's true. There's harmony in architecture. But it doesn't have that sort of um, flow, in my opinion, that music actually has.
0: On the flow, you've recently published a book, and authored and published a book. Can you share with us your book?
1: Yeah, you know, I have it here with me, by the way. You know, I was signing a couple of copies. The book is called Progression, and it actually connects with this idea of Of flow you know progression in music and this is interesting it's an important uh, element right you know how notes uh, are constructed and connected right I mean this idea is very important in music so it's interesting in my book the the title comes from there you know but it also connects with the idea that as as a architects in a global sense, especially in this world that is so connected right now, we are all working sort of in one environment, right? Because we're so connected through social media and and digital media in general, that we're pretty much aware of what's happening in many parts of the world, right? And I think this is helping architecture to advance globally in a very interesting way, you know, because I know what's happening in Africa. I see buildings that are getting built there or in China or in the Middle East or in Mexico. This in a certain way is feeding my understanding of where the world is going. So this this book is born out of that sort of reflection that we are creating sort of a commonality as architects that are connected digitally on where architecture is going, you know? We're not so independent anymore creating. We are working based on on what we see, what we feel, you know, that is happening around the world. And this is, uh, in my opinion, is giving us a global sense of progress, which I decided to call progression because it's in continuous movement. We're advancing together and we will continue doing that more and more and more because The technology is allowing us to do this, you know. I was having an interesting conversation recently with someone who who came up with a a virtual reality platform to have meetings. And he, he designed that 10 years ago. And it was a total failure. But he kept pushing for this. And he kept believing that the time will come. And guess what? When the pandemic hit, his company went from a total loser case to one of the most successful cases of, of, of new business ventures in the world because at that the, the world was ready and, and every, everyone embraced that concept. So in a certain way, I feel that with architecture, uh, in the way we think, in the way we design, in the way we're making progress in the field, is there's a global feed. And, and this is sort of from where the, the, the book actually came from um the, the the that idea i mean uh, i wrote it you know it's 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 a, a monograph in a way you know i mean it really shows the work uh, but it, but it also built and unbuilt by the way but you know in a certain way it establishes a critical position as well on my own work and where i think the future of the city is going or where the city should go, right? So, so in a way, it has critical essays. It's divided into three sections, you know, values, network, and ambition. And I'm using different buildings to, to elaborate on why these things are important for my process. So at the end, the book is really focused more on process than it is focused on buildings. The, how these buildings actually happen what are the forces that regulate that that process? Um, ethical forces, structural, right? Uh, natural, uh, energy plays such a big role, you know, the psychology of, of cities, the sociological aspect of architecture, all these forces have a tremendous impact. So the, the, the book fo- focuses a lot more in that path before we get to the final product, rather than the product itself and and of course I spent some time talking about my collaborations which is kind of in the end of the book uh, where I talk about that's why this section is kind of different you know in black and the buildings are very abstract because the point of this is to talk about the the story of my collaborations with clients where things were Extraordinary or challenging, you know, I mean, how really we were able to achieve certain things, I think in in many ways is the result of working with great clients. You know, the architects sometimes take too much credit for what happens in the city, but at the end,
0: it's our clients, right, as well, that, that we go
1: hand in hand or not, by the way. And then that actually, you know, is reflected on the result of the book. Yeah.
0: This is terrific. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation podcast by Ciroclad. Our uh, public service acknowledgement is for Poder. Poder empowers individuals with the necessary tools to promote human dignity, increase employment potential and facilitate participation. In the larger community since 1997, Poder's objective has been to empower Spanish-speaking adult immigrants to create successful and fulfilling new lives in the United States. For more information, you can visit their website at PoderWorks.org. We're talking today with Francisco Gonzalez Pulido, architect and principal of FGP Atelier. For more information, feel free to visit their website, fgp-atelier.com. Francisco, you, uh, your, your work has a timelessness to us, and you talked about a fantasy. But it, it, as much as you say it's a fantasy, very quickly when you see your work, at least this from my perspective, I could see it actually becoming a reality. And not just fantasy that maybe it's 100 years, 200 years in the future, but it never entered my mind until I actually see your work and your your drawings and your renderings, how, wow, this can actually happen. Is that by design that you want to see? You see something ahead of where anyone else has seen, but yet you can put it in a place where a lay person can see that it's possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the of the greatest challenges of of architecture, right? I mean, how to balance uh, your ambition exactly with and your values, right? Ambition, ambition, values, the program of the building, and the reality of a place. I am a, a real enemy of exporting architecture, and what I mean by this is when you develop your own style and you start planting it in places where you're kind of copying yourself or or uh, i am a big enemy of this i don't believe in style i believe in context context is so important for buildings because when you really understand those forces then you can respond really to something that makes sense and then the art i think relies on how you bring all these elements together you 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 add an element of fantasy because it's important right this is what establishes an emotional connection with people right i mean if, if we would be doing only vernacular architecture i mean people would be like okay yeah this fits here but i mean i need something that that sparks my imagination that brings me a place right so but, but I think the, the, the You know the, There is this filmmaker uh, That used to say French uh, Jean Cocteau He used to say that uh, In order to achieve mystery We have to stay very close to reality <laughs> And I think this is very true And I love that statement Because This is more or less the way I work I I try to, my process is very logical, very intuitive, very rational, but I'm always flying, right? I'm not all the time grounded. I have enough things that are gonna ground me, but I try to stay here so I can bring that element of emotion and mystery to the work as well. But that is actually rooted in something that is absolutely realistic and doable, right? Because architecture is also about budget and time and, 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 uh, efficiency. Right. I mean, I, I just, we're finishing an airport in Mexico city right now. And, and the way I designed that building, I was thinking, how can I design something that can be built in two years? It has never been done before. An airport has never been built in two years. An airport of this size, I mean, of that scale, has never happened. I think, I think the, 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 the one that I know that was built on record time was Istanbul, that was four years, and that was extremely tight. We built this thing in very little time, and this had a lot to do with the way we, think, we thought about it as a kit, the building as a kit of parts, you know, the building almost as an industrial process, but obviously we cannot stay there. Right. We need to elevate that to a place where people feel something when they enter the building. And that's actually very difficult, but this is what we're supposed to do. Right. As architects,
0: that's our job. I love it. And for our, uh, the final part of our show, I'd love to hear you know something that you'd like to share with your audience that we not, may not have talked uh, talked about.
1: Well, I mean, I think the uh, I like the way we started this conversation because because it was not really about architecture. You know, it was more about what what nurtures my process. Who am I really? You know, how who am I brings value to the work that I do or influences the work that I do. And and this is something that still fascinates me and continues to inspire me because I realize that there is a place still in my creative process that is quite mysterious though. I don't know from where some of these ideas come from. And this is something that I find extraordinary about being in a creative field and for me as an architect sometimes I get a brief you know for a new project where they describe the program and what they want and it amazes me that my brain right away starts imagining the solution just by reading things that are so damn pragmatic (laughs) you know that there's no poetry in, in any of that right I mean we need a kitchen and we need this and, and 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 the way sometimes these briefs describe things is is horrendous you know I mean it's like the most boring read that you could ever do and and in a way it, it amazes me how we have the ability you know to go there I don't know if it's just the training after so many years or if it was always this way I don't remember in my early years that my buildings were emerging in that that way, right? And this is something that I find still fascinating and that inspires me every day to continue doing what I do. And and obviously when you see your building uh, used by, in the case of the airport, by 20 million passengers a year, and you see that it works, it's a fantastic feeling, right? That you have done something right. From the planning of the scale of things, right, the proportion of things, to the way they react to space. I mean, when I finished the baseball stadium in Mexico, to see the fans photographs, taking selfies in the building and feeling that this is touching the building, you know, embracing the building with so much passion, this is one of the most rewarding things of this profession. And this is what keeps me so engaged and so passionate about it. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And by the way, your name is here because there's an an acknowledgement page.
0: What? Wow.
1: That, that, uh, I don't know if you're gonna be able to read it.
0: Yes, I see it. Well, thank you very much. I'm surprised and honored. Thank you, Francisco. Because
1: I'm always I always remember people who have believed, supported, uh, my path, and you you've been one of them. So thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank
0: you very much. I'm I'm honored very much, Francisco. Thank you again for being on the I'm really shocked here and, and and very pleased. Our guest today has been Francisco Gonzalez Polito, architect and principal of FGP Atelier. Francisco is a Mexican architect noted for his expressive yet rational design approach. For more information, feel free to visit their website at FGP-atelier.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Siraclad. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the office of Siraclad in Redmond, Washington and on location if you wish to contact us we're at syraclad.com slash podcast again syraclad.com slash podcast we look forward to you joining us again next time thank you